Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, September 6th. A high school security official under investigation. That's next, just after the headlines. The five missing crew members of a U.S. Navy helicopter crash off the coast of San Diego last Tuesday have been declared dead. That's according to U.S. Navy officials. The U.S. Third Fleet shifted from search and rescue operations into recovery operations on Saturday. The helicopter had been engaging in routine flight operations from the deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln, which is homeported in San Diego. The identities of the crew members will be withheld for 24 hours until after next of kin have been notified. For now, a military investigation is underway into why the chopper crashed. Caltrans announced a new plan to stop wrong-way drivers. It includes installing large wrong-way signs and adding red reflectors to more than 67 freeway on-ramps throughout the county. San Diego Councilwoman Marnie Von Wilpert chairs the city's Active Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. She's working with Caltrans after a wrong-way driver killed two San Diego police officers earlier this summer. Sadly, they are not the only ones. There have been multiple wrong-way driving incidents in the San Diego Transportation Network. A brush fire sparked up southeast of Rainbow in San Diego County over the weekend. Mandatory evacuations were issued near Rainbow Crest Road. The so-called Aruba fire began at 4.15 p.m. on Sunday, according to CAL FIRE. In a series of tweets overnight, CAL FIRE San Diego says they're making good progress with ground and air resources and that the fire is at about 100 acres with 15 percent contained. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. A white man's knee on the neck of a person of color on the ground. We've seen it before, and we're seeing it again in a video from a local high school that went viral. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez says it's causing one school district to take action. The video has been shared hundreds of times on social media. In less than a minute, you can see two students start to fight violently in the Valhalla High School lunch court last Tuesday. Two campus supervisors are seen attempting to stop the fight. He was trying to separate them, but, you know, they, they ended up on the ground and he was on top of one of them. I mean, I get you have to break up a fight, but it, it seemed a little violent, like maybe more staff could have been called in. Senior Duncan Galvez and dozens of other students witnessed the fight, and a white campus staffer put his knee on the neck of one of the students, who is black. So many witnesses have come forward that the NAACP San Diego branch is investigating. In a statement, branch president Francine Maxwell says it is long past time for something to be done. No more insincere statements, no more lip service, no more training without follow through. There need to be consequences for violent racist behavior from people under color of authority. The cell phone video is painfully familiar, only this time it involves a child allegedly being restrained by a knee to the neck. The district superintendent is the only official commenting on what's happened. She did so in a pre-produced video. As the investigation proceeds, you have my commitment that our district staff and our Valhalla team, led by Principal 
Brianne Frumas will be as open as we possibly can about the situation. While it's important to understand we won't be able to comment on specifics of an ongoing investigation, please know that we will be transparent with any information we are able to share with you. For now, there are no more details from the district, but there is controversy in the community. Tasha Williamson is a community activist. We want you to treat our children as if they were white. Um, because clearly there are racial disparities in treatment um, across this county, including in the education system. The campus supervisor involved has been placed on leave with pay while the investigation is completed. And that was KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez. When incarcerated people are released from prison, they often don't have proper identification that they need to start a bank account, rent an apartment, or move on with their life. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim says a recently passed bill aims to change that. Troy Schaefer was released from prison earlier this month after serving 17 years for burglary and theft. But because he was in prison for more than 10 years, he didn't have a current photo on file, so he couldn't get a California ID. Well, we need our ID and so we can get started. It's not, it's not happening fast enough. Without an ID, Schaefer can't open a bank account, apply for medical insurance, or apply for work. That could soon change. A new bill makes more people eligible for IDs, even without a recent photo. It also requires the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to help with paperwork and notary services. Robert Forte is helping Schaefer and other inmates get their IDs. He says this new bill will help with everything from getting COVID testing to getting health insurance. Because clients coming home with their ID means that they can go right to work or go right into uh, getting their Medi-Cal and getting their uh, cow fresh. And um, the, that ID makes it easy for me to get their Social Security card. As for Schaefer, he was able to get an ID with Forte's help. And that was KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim. Wildlife advocates are making a pitch to help mountain lions by reconnecting Southern California habitat that's sliced up by highways. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more. Freeways define so much of Southern California life. They connect people and communities, but they also divide wildlife habitats. In Southern California, three rugged mountain range habitats are isolated from each other by freeways and development. A new report from Environment America calls for major investments in corridors that reconnect habitats, like the fractured mountain lion ranges. We not only need connectivity, we need more protected habitat just to, to have secure populations in those mountain ranges across time. The Liberty Canyon Wildlife Crossing north of Los Angeles is designed to reconnect mountain lion habitat that is crucial for the survival of the big cats. Backers say they need $6.5 million to fund the nearly $57 million project. Meanwhile, California did budget $61 million for wildlife crossings, and there is help on the federal level. The new infrastructure deal that just passed the Senate includes a $350 million grant program for wildlife crossings and projects that reduce wildlife collisions. Peterson's report supports legislation aimed at creating and preserving habitat connections at all levels of government. And that was KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson.
Rape victims rarely see their cases closed, but now a major hurdle has been cleared that could give victims greater clarity about the status of their cases. CAP Radio's Mike Haggerty has more. Democratic State Senator Connie Leva of Southern California has been pushing for reforms in the handling of rape kits. Two years ago, a bill she authored requiring their prompt testing was signed into law by Governor Newsom. SB 215, if signed into law, will take that one step further and really give survivors uh, a sense of control. They will be able to track their rape kit and see exactly where it is in the process. The new bill passed both houses of the legislature without a single no vote. Victims have largely been kept in the dark about what's being done to catch their rapists until there's an arrest and trial, and it can be a long time waiting. A California Department of Justice audit in April of 2020 found a backlog of 14,000 rape kits waiting to be tested. That number is believed to be low, since only 141 of the state's 690 law enforcement agencies reported data. And that was CAP Radio's Mike Haggerty reporting from Sacramento. Coming up, over 400,000 veterans and their families have been buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Now, many are worried that this historic cemetery will no longer have room. To me, it's a fitting way of closing one's career with honor and dignity. That's next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. More than 400,000 veterans and their families have been laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery, but the historic cemetery is running out of space. The Army, which oversees Arlington, wants to tighten the rules so only the most decorated veterans could be buried there. Desiree DiOrio reports for the American Homefront Project. When Kathy Dugan retired from the Navy in 1999, she was hoping for one final military honor. She wants to be buried here at Arlington, her name engraved on one of the iconic white headstones. I come from a very long line of Navy and Marine Corps folks. My dad was buried here, and my mom, one of my brothers, will be buried here. We decided as a family to do that. Dugan shows me a shadow box filled with medals and ribbons spanning her 30-year career. We sit in her car to escape the stifling heat of August in Virginia. Lieutenant Commander, Commander, Captain. When the time comes, she imagines her flag-draped casket on a horse-drawn caisson as it travels among the headstones. A bugler will play taps. A rifle party will fire a salute. To me, it's a fitting way of closing 
one's career with honor and dignity. But Dugan may never realize her vision. The Army is moving forward with a plan to limit in-ground burials only to service members who receive the highest combat awards. That's because Arlington is running out of space, even though a new expansion project will add 80,000 new grave sites. The expansion, without changing the eligibility, will only take us to about the 2060s. So to be open well into the future, which we define as 150 years, is both the expansion and the change in eligibility criteria. That's Karen Durham Aguilera, the cemetery's director. She says the latest expansion project means the cemetery has now used all of the available land. Under the Army proposal, veterans who didn't receive major combat awards can still be laid to rest at Arlington, but only if they choose cremation. They may be eligible only above ground, but they're still eligible here at Arlington National Cemetery until we run out of that above ground space. But some veterans' advocacy groups say the restrictions aren't fair. They say as Arlington fills up, the government should build another similar national cemetery somewhere else where veterans can receive full military honors. Mark Belinsky is with the Military Officers Association of America. We're on the edge of seeing another benefit reduced, borne on the backs of the military community. Belinsky says limiting eligibility to those veterans who receive Purple Hearts or Silver Stars seems to put a premium on Army combat service and isn't fair to veterans of other branches. As an Army veteran myself, close combat does require valor, but so does service in the air or service underway at sea or in a strategic nuclear force or in a hospital lab fighting COVID. If the proposed changes take effect, veteran Kathy Dugan says she'll have to look for another place to be buried. She says she has religious concerns about cremation, and it's not what she wants. She says veterans like her should be grandfathered so that any changes would only impact new service members. This was a promise. I mean, it's like sealed with the patriotism and the blood and the sweat. Durham Aguilera, the cemetery director, points out that veterans do have other choices, like state military cemeteries and more than 150 national cemeteries around the country run by the Department of Veterans Affairs. But she says the criteria for Arlington burials has to change. We want to be open. We want to have that opportunity for that five-year-old who's going to raise their hand one day to serve this great nation. And so to be able to do that, we need to plan for a future. She says she expects the Army to finalize the new eligibility rules by the end of the year. And that was Desiree Diorio reporting from Arlington. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio, or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.